Happy New Year, everybody, and welcome to Mayfair Theatre Podcast. I'm Andrew. And this is Josh, and uh, we're back for 2017. This is actually our first podcast in a couple weeks Mm -hmm. since we cheated on the last one and pre-recorded because we had our schedule in advance. And it's still the holidays for some reason. (laughs) It is, yeah. A lot of my real grown-up friends with real jobs are back to work, but kids are still out of school. Yeah. We're still doing some kid matinees at the Mayfair for the next couple days. Uh, and it's that weird mix of like some restaurants are still closed down because they've taken off. And yeah. New Year's Day, I walked like downtown and it was just, there might as well like tumbleweeds. Like yeah. everything was closed down. I went to the NAC to see a show and up and down Elgin Street, a ton of the restaurants were closed. And I always kind of forget that, that it's a rare day because, you know, a, a generation ago or so, you know, Sundays, everything was actually closed. Mm-hmm. And that never happens anymore. The malls are always open, yeah. you know, movie theaters are always open. But, uh, but yeah, so we've, we've made it through the holidays. The, the funny thing is we kind of made a joke recording our second podcast because we had held over Manchester for a second week. And we kind of went like, oh, lineups around the block and we're doing really well with it. So that kind of happened. Yeah. And I'm not complaining because I love having nights where we have 250 people. But I don't know what happened. Like, I know it's got a lot of praise because of Golden Globe nominations mm-hmm. and probably some, maybe there were some really great reviews in like the Ottawa Citizen or on CBC or something. But for, I don't know, five or six nights in a row, we had 250 people. Yeah. Which is crazy. And usually we're happy to get, you know, 100 people. And uh, I still haven't seen it. So we're actually. I haven't seen it either. Holding I it over. I haven't had time. Yeah, we've been so busy. Somebody said, how's your holidays been? And I've been like, well, between, I had a bit of freelance work and then Mayfair work and then just, you know, holiday obligations. Yesterday was my first actual day off with nothing on my schedule. Mm-hmm. But I spent the whole day doing Mayfair stuff on the computer because I had to do up the social media stuff for the weekly flyer mm-hmm. and make up a couple new posters. So it's been it's been hectic, but I've been slowly catching up on seeing some movies uh, Manchester by the Sea is not one of them yet, but I will definitely see it before we lose it. Mm-hmm. If we don't hold it over for a fourth week, if things keep going, but um, yeah, it's just it's a when when you're in the box office, there's not much you can do, and the only flaw with our lovely old theater is it just bottlenecks. And yeah. I think a lot of times people are used to getting here at you know six twenty or six twenty five yeah. and just walking in, but when I don't know, 175, 200 people show up at 620, 625, mm-hmm. then it's just... Yeah, if you're coming, if you're planning on coming to see this film, please show up early. <laughs> yeah, I always, even if it's a movie that... Because most people are showing up like 10 minutes too. And... Yeah, like if it's an Ottawa premiere, if it's something that you think might, you know, like, like when, we, when we screen Die Hard, when it's a certain special event movie like that, and especially if you, you know, you want a couch or you want to sit in a certain spot... Don't be afraid to get here early and, um, you know, grab your seat because we've done pretty well and everyone's been very understanding, but it's it's just been this crazy marathon of trying to get people in the door. Yeah. And I was here working a matinee and Anya came in and you were working on Candy Bar and she just looked at me and was like, oh my God, can you please stay? And I stayed yeah. on the box office and she ran in to help you. Yeah. And it was just like, I think by the time the trailer started, there was still a lineup like up into the theater for candy yeah and managed to get it going but and it's it's interesting because it's not like it's a good example of movies that aren't like i don't think manchester by the sea is going to make a hundred million dollars or anything but movies that do really well with mm-hmm. us that kind of get passed over at the multiplex or at kind of the mainstream places and so sometimes a movie that either 
is a big movie that flops does really well with this, mm-hmm. or a little movie that just gets passed over can do really well yeah. with this. And on a night when we have 250 people here for Manchester by the Sea, I have a feeling there's probably some multiplexes in town that didn't have that many movie people for you know Star Wars or something that mm-hmm. night. So that's been great fun. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing it. Um, it's despite it looking like a heavy drama, I've been sitting in the box office doing work or reading comic books while the movie's playing, and there's laughter, like yeah, big yeah, laughter. That's true. Yeah, apparently it's really funny as well. And I think it's uh, one of those movies where it's somebody said it was. There's some review I was going by this morning where it was like the the funniest movie about grief, grief, yeah, that they've seen, and. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see with it and Moonlight, which we're screening right now, mm-hmm. which we have for a couple more days. By the time this podcast comes out, we might not have it anymore. Um, is another big Golden Globe nominee. Uh, I saw that one, and it was great. Mm-hmm. And it is the interesting conundrum for awards: is the lead of the movie is three different actors yeah. playing the same character for I think pretty even about like 40 minutes 35 minutes each yeah and so how do you do that like do you do you give a best supporting actor for the adult or for the like it's probably just skip that one yeah like in terms of actors because the academy they they seem to just like you know one lead i think the whole movie the actress who played his uh his mom yeah who was in the late the latest james bond movies amongst other things naomi harris she's been getting some buzz um, not a really big role, but I really liked the the drug dealer and the drug dealer's girlfriend. Yeah, they're both really good. Who are only in it for, for not very long. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, I forget his name, but you'd recognize from uh, House of Cards. Mm-hmm. And who, who is she? I, I recognized her, but I couldn't place her. I don't her. know. I think I've just seen her in a couple of things. But mm-hmm. just really good movie, really simple. And despite having a heavy premise, isn't kind of depressing and heavy like without playing spoiler it kind of has a lot of hope in it yeah and um and the 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 kid young man and grown-up playing the lead are just fantastic Mm -hmm. Uh, especially the little kid little kids sometimes can make or break a movie yeah uh we just screened miss peregrine's home for peculiar children and i wasn't really blown away with um what's his name aza butterfield yeah i just I don't know if it's Tim Burton's fault because I think Tim Burton was this was kind of one of his hired gun movies where he didn't have a lot of passion for the project maybe. Mm-hmm. It just seemed like the lead in Miss Peregrine kind of just was kind of cardboard. And then you see a movie like Moonlight with this little kid who's even younger who's like 9 or 10 years old and and silent for a lot of it and it's mm-hmm. just great and just kind of heartbreaking and amazing. But speaking of Golden Globe movies, so on top of Manchester by the Sea, uh, one of only three movies we have this week. The, ne- uh, the other one is called Lion, which is also mm-hmm. nominated for four or five Golden Globes. It is, I know Nicole Kidman's in it, uh, and it's a, it's a Indian-Australian co-production, I believe. Yeah, it's, I think, Dev Patel from Slumdog Millionaire. Yeah. Uh, he's raised by Australian parents, and then he, as a young man, decides to go to India to find his birth parents. Yeah, and he, he's like a, at, at a very young age is lost. I think just gets lost on like a train or something mm-hmm. like that. And Nicole Kidman is the mother who adopts him at that young age. So I'm not yeah. sure if she's in the movie after that, like older. But it's up for, I think it's up for, if I remember correctly, picture, screenplay, actor, actress at the Golden Globes. Yeah. And so that marks 
three Golden Globe nominees we have in a very short period of time. And then very soon we'll see if that carries over to Oscar nominations, because that's going to happen pretty soon as well. And sometimes it's notorious that stuff will get a lot of recognition at Golden Globes and then nothing at the Oscars. So it's not a guarantee, but a lot of movies, these ones that seem to have been nominated this year, a lot of people think they'll be a carryover. A lot of people think the ones we see at the Golden Globes, especially in the drama category, are the ones we're going to see at the Oscars coming up. Uh, I don't think Deadpool will be nominated for Best Picture at the Oscars, as it was <laughs> in Golden Globes, but uh, I think other of these kind of more heavy dramatic pictures are kind of Oscar fodder that they love to nominate. Um, yeah, so Manchester by the Sea and Lion, both this week, if you're looking to see some uh, Golden Globe nominees, which I think is what has been helping us with a lot of press. I think a lot of people mm -hmm. look at things like Oscar nominee or Golden Globe nominee and trust that that means quality. On the other end of the spectrum, uh, excited to have an Ottawa premiere this week called Railroad Tigers. Starring Oscar winner Jackie Chan. Oh my god, yeah, we can say that now. Starring Oscar <laughs> winner Jackie Chan. And this is, uh, I think, kind of like an epic period piece about the uh, uh, Chinese workers in building the trains in kind of the, the, the Wild West of America. Yeah, and they uh, create sort of a force to go against, uh, to battle the... Uh, the, man. the Japanese. Yeah. Yeah. And it's uh, a big, epic, uh, very big box office hit over in China. It's, it's very interesting stuff like this where Jackie Chan's career, I think of his own fruition, kind of petered out in the States, where I think he walked away and was like, I don't want to do Rush Hour 4. I don't yeah. want to do another buddy cop movie. The Spy Next Door. Yeah, because you, you look at his career in North America and a lot of success, a lot of box office success, but it's like, you know, Rush Hour, Shanghai Noon, The Tuxedo, a lot of stuff where he is playing the kind of bumbling foreigner. Yeah. And whereas back home, he kind of gets to do a bit more diverse stuff. And we've screened a bit of it, like kind of a more like like heavy cop dramas. Or yeah, the police like story movies and... Uh... We're actually screening after Railroad Tigers on the 27th of January. We're starting Kung Fu Yoga. Which is amazing. From the director of Rumble in the Bronx. Yeah, <laughs> and you think that, that the, the Little Mayfair Theater has two Jackie Chan premieres within the same month. Mm -hmm. And Jackie Chan is, I'm, I'm pretty sure, the biggest box office star in the world. Um, it, it's, it's great that we're getting these opportunities and that people are coming out, which gives us more of an excuse to screen them again and kung fu yoga just looks insane it's always fun when we're screening a movie that's so new it doesn't even have an english poster yet yeah it's so true. i mocked up the poster and just in the banner put jackie chan in kung fu yoga because it's it's not english yet they don't it's not even out yeah and i looked and what i love is we're premiering it january 27th so in a couple weeks that's the actual premiere date. Like that's when it's coming out in mm -hmm. China. And so we have like a day and date premiere, not like something like sometimes with, you know, a big film like Star Wars, we'll get it three months later or something like that. But mm -hmm. it's really fun to think that in Hong Kong, they'll be watching this premiere night and we're doing the same thing here at the Mayfair. Mm -hmm. And this Rail Railroad Tigers looks, I mean, on a sliding scale of realism that is a Jackie Chan movie, I think it's slightly more down to earth action maybe. But Kung Fu Yoga looks just big and over the top and slapstick and comedic. And it the, the the poster we used was the one that had 
Jackie Chan doing the splits on a couple of elephants. And as Lee said, it's because it's, you know, you want Jackie Chan front and center on the poster. But some of the other posters are like Jackie and two guys in a car with a lion that's like breaking out of a high-rise building. Does it, so does, where does he go in this movie? He goes to India or something? I believe it's, yeah, I believe it's Jackie Chan having an adventure in India. Yeah. And I think, I'm curious what if Kung Fu, Kung Fu Yoga is like a weird like butchering of what this movie's actually called and this is just like possibly yeah. the horrible like well it has kung fu in it and yoga in it so let's call it kung fu yoga <laughs> people like both those things you know but it's uh it's it's an exciting get for us and we'll hopefully just continue a bunch more and this is i think maybe the the quickest we've gotten a 2017 movie in 2017 yeah i guess that's true because often it'll be march or april before you see kind of that rollover um but yeah, so that is our three movies this week. Uh, reason being, because we have uh, a few rentals and the Ottawa Film Society mm-hmm. is in Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. They show a couple of movies uh, every month here at the Mayfair for most of the year. There's a few months off in there. And if you're interested in them, they have the, I can't believe they got it, film site of filmfilmfilm.ca. Mm-hmm. And uh, they show some good stuff. A lot of stuff that we've screened before, but it's a very reasonable price to come and see a double bill uh, once a month or so. So, yeah, so that's our three movies. So that's all we have to talk about this week. So I thought we could also mention Andrew put our top ten movies uh, on our newsletter this week. Yeah, if you subscribe to our newsletter, um, which you can do on our website, you just, um, I think, on the uh, right-hand side of our front page, you can just enter your email and get a weekly newsletter from us. Um, Yeah, we, we did our top 10 lists of 2016. So let's start with, we'll just quickly go through it here. So Andrew's list starts with Hell or High Water, Mm -hmm. which I I think qualifies as a Western, a modern Western. Yeah, and bank robber movie. With uh, the great Jeff Bridges in a kind of curmudgeonly, (laughs) almost racist, old sheriff with a heart of gold kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, he's Um, great in it. Really great in the part. And Chris Pine, who I joked was just too distracting. Like his, I liked him in this movie. His actually. eyes are so blue. Yeah. <laughs> he he should wear contacts. He's too handsome. He's too <laughs> handsome. And it wasn't bad because they did kind of, you know, he had some scruff going. And, and I think he was supposed to be the, the handsomer of the duo with, of the bank robbers. Yeah. But I, I do admit I typecast him a bit. And he comes on screen and I'm like, you are too handsome to be a flyover state bank robber. Uh, <laughs> Which is what they should have called the movie. Yeah, flyover state bank robbers. But everyone, even down to like the bit players in this oh, movie, for sure. everyone is fantastic. And it's one of those kind of bank robber movies, uh, a long history in, in Hollywood, uh, and I just say Hollywood in meaning movies in general, of you're not quite sure who you're cheering for mm-hmm. because his partner in it's kind of a psychopath and killing people, but you're still, you have this back of your head hoping they get away with it, and mm-hmm. and and Jeff Bridges is our hero, and he's chasing them, but you're kind of hoping he doesn't get them, and, mm-hmm. but really great movie, and, uh, and, and kind of somber for a lot of it, but also has some crazy guns a-blazing action in it mm-hmm. for a small film. Yep. Uh, so yeah, that's one of Andrew's picks. Um, uh, he did something different than I did. I was kind of stubbornly put 10 movies I saw at the Mayfair. Mm-hmm. Andrew has a couple on here. 
uh, that I haven't seen yet because we didn't have them. Most most of the movies on my list we did play. Most, there's yes. A, there's a few that we didn't show. So there, the, there was one that didn't even play theaters. So. Yeah, and there's and there's some that we would have shown if the fates would have been mm-hmm. kinder in our favor. Uh, one of which I'm sure was Everybody Wants Some. Richard Linklater's new movie, which mm-hmm. I just watched again. It's probably one of the most entertaining movies I saw and in is 2016. It, is it 19... 19- 90s it's Days set, and Confused? No, it's no. set in 1980. Okay. The weekend before these baseball players are about to start college. Yeah. And they're just partying it up yeah. until uh, class starts. So it's like the clock is ticking. Right, yeah. Um, yeah, it's just like a really loose kind of fun movie. There's no plot, really. It's yeah. just hanging out with these guys. And uh, yeah, it's just a movie I can watch again. I mean, it's obviously... Not as great as Dazed and Confused, but... Right. Uh, I love Linkletter. Uh, same sort of tone and feel to it. I love both sides of Linkletter, whether he's doing, like, a Bad News Bears remake... Yeah. ...or, um, you know, Boyhood. I like kind of mm. both sides, but... Uh, yeah, the, he's one of my favorite filmmakers, for sure. Then you have Edge of Seventeen. Edge of Seventeen, which is fantastic. Which... Might we still get? Is that still on the radar? I hope so. I that's, hope we get it. That's still kind of flying around, right? Yeah. yeah. So that could be in our future. Um, the O.J. Simpson documentary, O.J. Made in America. This was the seven and a half hour oh my God. documentary about uh, the life and career of O.J. as well as the uh, murder case. Yeah. And it's this really ambitious movie. It's not just about O.J. and the case, but it's also about, you know, race in America and, uh, you know, the police. Yeah, and I guess that and it's... the politics behind that. And the, seven and a half hours make it difficult for a theatrical... Release. I think, yeah, but it might have played at some festivals. I think it might have played at Hot Docs. Probably. Some, yeah. they, they have the um, the power to kind of do that, especially if it's a festival. You're only worried about, like, one day, so you can be like, yeah, we can eat up eight hours of screen time. I wonder if they had, like, two intermissions. I wonder how they do that with an eight-hour movie. I don't know. I mean, it, basically, it, it aired on television in, like, one hour, or sorry, 90-minute chunks. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, but it's really entertaining. It's not... You know, it, it sounds like a chore to sit through an eight-hour documentary, but if you just watch it kind of in 90-minute yeah. increments, it's, uh, yeah, it's fascinating. Then Tower, which is a Mayfair alum, uh, really... Um, Did you see this? Yes. Yeah, it, it's, uh, it is, what is it, like the fifth in the franchise unofficially? Isn't there, was, is this the one that they're, oh, no, sorry, I'm, I'm getting it mixed up with... Um, the Dark Tower? <laughs> no, no, no. Um, what was the other Asian action movie we had? I'm, I'm getting it mixed up with the one with the building that exploded. Oh, City Sky on Fire. Sky on Fire. No, I'm, Tower I'm is totally getting it the wrong movie. Tower yeah. is a documentary about the uh, the Texas Tower shootings. Right, and it's it's at this, the University of Austin. This in one I missed. It's the one that's animated and it's a mixture of rotoscope animation, so animation over live action. Yeah, and uh, archive news footage, like real news footage from the event, and um, um, recollections from the actual survivors. Yeah, and it's just a perfect mixture of all that, um, and it's like a real work of art. It's not just like a standard documentary. That's it mixes, I got... you know, dramatic narrative with you know, yeah, with documentary, and it's uh, it's great filmmaking. I got confused when we first booked it, and I was seeing all these like documentary, and I'm like, it's a cartoon. How is this a documentary? <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I totally got that mixed up with a completely different movie. Uh, but yeah, Tower is one I unfortunately missed, but I would like to catch. Um, another one I missed, uh, American Honey. Oh, you didn't see American Honey? No, it's great. Like, it's, it's, even when you work at a movie theater, sometimes we only have a movie for like two nights or three yeah. nights. 
and you're working like one of those nights and the yeah, other night true. you know it's it's you you miss I, one of our, our great a plus super fans uh, brad said he saw 108 movies this year here oh wow and i said i got to do my list but i think you beat me uh I, so I said, they keep track yeah i keep track too so i don't know what his list was i got to ask him what is because he was saying he liked our list and i said oh you got you should make a list i'll, I'll post it you know uh, but he said he saw 108 movies here. That's I, impressive. I might have done that the year before when I was doing the Doug Loves Movies Challenge where I just mm-hmm. went out of my way to watch everything. So I admit this year was a bit of a, you know, a, a boomerang effect to that where I was a bit overwhelmed. And unless I really wanted to see a movie, sometimes I was like, oh, I'm going to, you know, skip that one. Yeah. Um, but American Honey was a, what is it? It's a 1960s? 19... No, it's present day. Oh, is it? I totally thought it was a period piece about hippies. Uh, no, it's it's kind of Easy Rider. It re- reminded me of Easy Rider in a weird oh, okay. way. It's like Easy Rider for this generation. I guess every trailer I saw was like kind of the wardrobe and like maybe like a van or something. Well, they I, kind of live like gypsies. These yeah. kids who uh, it's about these ki- or this young girl like pe- these kids who are dirt poor and they travel in a van across America selling magazine subscriptions and staying in motels and yeah, that's their life. Yeah. Uh, kind of just like living, uh, living like gypsies, and it's like an epic. It's like almost three hours, so you feel like you're traveling with them. It's like really immersive. And former, what a weird career! Former child star, then former kind turned, of A-list Hollywood franchise guy in yeah. Indiana Jones and Transformers, turned weird indie guy Shia LaBeouf. And he's really good in this. Yeah, I, I really liked him in Fury. I've liked him in a lot of things. So I think he's young. He has plenty of time to kind of, you know turn his career around from being a weirdo and he can still be a weirdo he can still be yeah. a weirdo and do his indie movies every time i saw him on letterman he was really nice so i think maybe sometimes he just had a temper or was drunk <laughs> you know uh then you're doing some weird performance or yeah doing yeah. performance uh green room which yes. was great uh sadly we did well with that i think we did really well and sadly with uh, anton <clears throat> yelchin in one of his final roles yeah and the, he's, he's the, really good in this the very too young anton yelchin who died in his, I don't know, what was he, 25 or something? Oh, yeah, really young. Uh, so he's in it. Patrick Stewart's in it. Um, just a terrifying thriller of a movie about a band who, by mistake, takes a gig at a Nazi bar. Yeah, in and the then, middle of nowhere. And then stuff goes horribly wrong. And uh, Professor Xavier is the yeah. leader of the neo-Nazis. And Patrick Stewart's great in it. Yeah, uh, really, really chilling, understated performance. And Patrick especially Stewart. watching with a crowd is just... Yeah. horror movie edge of your seat yeah. terrifying uh, then you have uh, A Bigger Splash <clears throat> yeah which with uh, Tilda Swinton and Ray Fiennes and uh, always great that girl from uh, Fifty Shades of Grey, Grey. Which, <laughs> I forget her not name. a great movie uh, yeah that's a really fun movie and uh, Sleeping Giant which we showed Canadian film uh, set at um, what's it called is it sleeping giant like national park it's, it's I think northwestern so. ontario just outside of thunder bay that is what i missed i if i remember correctly i missed because i was <clears> working <throat> blues fest and lee was like oh this is like your movie you're gonna love this yeah. movie and i'm so sad i missed it so it's, it's on my list of i have to catch this movie yeah it's three boys um on summer vacation uh at this park and uh their friendship kind of goes sour yeah um, really tragic story but uh so great um, the music score is fantastic. Yeah. And then you have uh, Kubo and the Two Strings mm-hmm. from Le- Leica uh, Animation. Yeah. Who are brilliant. They, they, Great storytelling. They're, they're, their track record so far is is Coraline, Box Trolls, Paranorman. 
Uh, I should see those actually. I haven't. Oh, you haven't I seen see those? the other. Oh, they're the great. Other, uh, films from that studio. And and Kubo is just like not not only best picture quality, but it, I can't imagine anything else winning best animated film this year, especially in a year that Pixar had a sequel, so nothing too greatly original. Uh, yeah, I can't imagine anything not winning or anything else winning best picture. Mm-hmm. It's just beautiful movie, especially when you consider the the magic of stop motion. And and it's just the cinematography is great, the actors are great, and and just something really original and new. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so that's Andrew's list. Now I'll go through my list. My list is a little bit different because I'm stubborn, and so I just said it's movies I saw at the Mayfair in 2016, and I kind of just went through and managed to find about 10, and then you know. The, the reason I don't like lists is every time you think about it, then you're like, oh, wait, there's another one. Yeah. And I'll bump off one of these. So I'm sure if I made the exact same list without looking at this list, it would be different, <laughs> slightly mm-hmm. different. But my list starts with Midnight Special, which to me is just, I think Jeff Nichols is one of these younger filmmakers who kind of has a perfect track record still. Yeah, he's a really talented guy. Uh, himself, Edgar Wright, uh, a few other filmmakers. Uh, Midnight Special is just this great... Uh, Feels like an old like Spielberg film. Yep. Kid with powers on the run from the Men in Black. Uh, Michael Shannon's in it, who's always amazing. Uh, really love this movie. Then I have Sing Street, which is a, about a, a high school band trying to make it big. Mm-hmm. Uh, the music is great. Uh, it of uh, every it's, it's nice and nostalgic, but the move the music really feels real. I find mm-hmm. a lot of times in fake bands. The music feels off, or the the, the name yeah. of the band feels off. It is it's really yeah, hard to kind of true. capture that. Uh, but I really love Sing Street. Uh, then a little Canadian documentary called How to Build a Time Machine. I missed this one. This is from the guy who made a documentary called Beauty Day. Yeah, which uh, is really great. And Time Machine is just it follows two stories. One of a a man obsessed with time because his dad dies. Mm-hmm. And he ends up getting into the military, ends up getting into these like projects about time and stuff like that. And another guy who is uh, an artisan and works in film, and he's obsessed with kind of the more like science fiction side of time. And they end up meeting, and it's just fascinating. And I learned stuff I didn't know about how if you put a time recording device on a plane, it records differently than one on solid ground. So time right. travel is kind of real. Uh, <laughs> But I just I love this kind of stuff, and, and I just found it really uh, a, a simple, fascinating science slash um, speculative yeah, documentary. Fantasy. Yeah, uh, Swiss Army Man. Yeah, uh, with uh, Harry Potter. Uh, I love Daniel Radcliffe. He's great in this movie because I'm not a giant Harry Potter fan. Me just because I'm not the right age. It's the same way as like I love The Goonies and Monster Squad. But somebody who watches that now at the age of 30 might be like, oh, I don't get it. Harry Potter, the movies aren't bad, but I just didn't get gripped by them. But I really love that Daniel Radcliffe, who could be doing anything he wants now, is kind of doing weird independent movies like Horns and Swiss Army Mm -hmm. Man instead of doing kind of a mainstream franchise kind of thing. A really great movie, really hard to explain. It's it's romantic and it's adventurous and it's, it's, it's got you know, beautiful everything, production design, cinematography, score, and you read it on paper and it just sounds ridiculous, especially the ending, which I won't say, but in, but you watch it and it's just this great movie that that might, you know, fall by the wayside because it's so weird. 
but I really love Swiss Army Man. Hunt for the Wilder People from Taika Waititi, who's mm-hmm. another person who I think has a perfect track record. Sam Neill and a young New Zealand boy go on the run in the woods from a bunch of cops. Uh, just super fun. Uh, and, and has like crazy car chase scenes in it despite being kind of a small New Zealand film. Mm-hmm. Taika Waititi is from, if you know him from Flight of the Concords, he directed a bunch of those. He did a movie called Boy that's really great. Uh, and what's the vampire film? I just forgot the name what of that. What We Do in the Shadows. Yes, which we had at the Mayfair, which did really which did, well. Yeah. So that's a really great movie. Maybe my favorite movie of the year, but hard to say. Wiener, uh, a documentary, a political documentary, which isn't the kind of movie you would, you know, buy and watch over and over again, but it was just, like, strangely endearing and funny, and you really wished the best for this guy who got stuck in kind of a sex scandal, and he keeps screwing up. And they could probably do a sequel to this <laughs> they movie because he kept screwing up afterwards. Because this isn't even a spoiler because it's not in the movie, but his wife was, or is, Hillary Clinton's Top like, eight. right-hand yeah. woman. And he keeps screwing up and screwing up. And yeah. so you feel bad for him because you're like, is it an addiction? You also feel bad because he's he's not like, he's not murdering people. He's not, it's, but it's just, it's, it's you laugh at it, but you don't want to laugh at it. And it's so out there, you think it's, you know, it, it's too crazy for a scripted story. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I really love that documentary. And you just watch it, especially in the climax. It's like, there's kind of a chase going on and you're just like saying, oh my God, get out of this, you're an idiot, and it's just crazy. So yeah, Wiener, really great documentary. Uh, another documentary, Man vs. Snake. I don't play any video games, and I love video game yeah, documentaries. Yeah. Because, especially this one is, it has all the conflict of, and suspense of a great kind of sports movie, and it's just this really great character who kind of was at the peak of nerddom as a teenager, way before the internet and all that kind of stuff. And now he's kind of a normal guy working in a warehouse, and he wants to reclaim victory of the high score on this video game. And I was naive. I thought a high score in a video game would be playing it for a couple hours. You have to play it for days. Mm -hmm. And you have to rack up the free lives and then go take a nap for half an hour, and your 100 free lives will go down to like 20 free lives, and then you go back. And it's just this ridiculous marathon on the human body that shouldn't happen <laughs> but it, it it's it's funny and the characters are great and kind of fascinating and one of those movies that i put akin to sports movies because like i don't like baseball but i can still watch a baseball movie and think it's really cool you know so yeah man versus snake really great documentary that we screened then i also have kubo and the two strings i love Leica animation went to the animation fest this year to watch Coraline and they passed around some of the little armatures. So I got to hold uh, Paranorman in my hands, nice. which was pretty cool. Then I have uh, a couple of more recent films, The Eagle Huntress, mm-hmm. a documentary about a young woman trying to become the first eagle hunter in, I think it was 12 generations of this, her family. Yeah, Mongolian family. More than any other documentary I saw this year, this one was so Hollywood and so girl power and so inspiring it could have been written you know it could have it could have been a Leica animation movie and it's it's has narration by Daisy Ridley from Star Wars and some of the stuff that happens in it of her achieving her goals the way they happen you're just like no this is made up but it's it's a documentary it's a, she she achieved these these goals in her life and it's just really great mm-hmm. and I'm a vegan and I was still able to watch this movie where animals are killed all over the place mm-hmm. and still kind of appreciate it 
Uh, and then final on my list was one I just saw called Operation Avalanche, which is a fake documentary about a documentary team going behind the scenes at NASA, and then they stumble into this crazy X-Files adventure of faking the moon landing and men in black trying to get them and murder and backstabbing. And these kind of movies aren't for everybody because I, I totally get that sometimes people are like, why do you still have the camera running at these kind of things? But I was all in. I, I really love this movie. I find it more suspenseful than like a mainstream big budget like Jason Bourne kind of movie. And I thought it was a really impressive tale told with a kind of small Canadian budget. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so that was that was my uh, my ten movies at the Mayfair this year. And then my little asterisk was my favorite night of the year was probably Purple Rain, our tribute mm-hmm. screening, which was a packed house of people dancing in the aisles to Purple Rain. And then my favorite nostalgic big screen moment was hands down Star Wars, getting to see a new Star Wars movie and and the the opening crawl and the Millennium Falcon and all the Force Awakens stuff on our screen was so great and uh even though i had seen it before uh it was just still a nice uh moment to get a star wars movie which we will get to do once a year forever now because <laughs> we, we still have a very good relationship with disney and we usually get to see see all their movies mm-hmm. we'll just get it around march break or so probably or something mm-hmm. like that but uh and then and then um andrew had a little asterisk at the bottom too of other movies he loved were rules don't apply uh yeah. i liked rogue one I liked... Um, uh, Don't Think Twice. Yeah. Blood Father with Mel Gibson I really liked. Uh, Moonlight. Moonlight. And uh, the animated Japanese animated film we showed called uh, Belladonna of Sadness. I love that because that was... I always take pride when a, when a idea I, I put forward and I'm like, I don't know if people will come to this, but can we get this? And when people come, I'm just, oh, thank you. You know, I'm so ha- happy. And I found this movie. I just read about it on some geek website and told Lee about it, and then we got to show it. And just anytime you get to show a, like, lost 1973 X-rated Japanese animation is a special day. Um, so, yeah, so that's our list. Let us know what you think about that. Mm-hmm. Put, put your own list. A couple people have put their own list on Twitter and oh, stuff. Oh, good. Yeah, that's cool. Which I love. A lot of people have been very kind of pointing out that, like, their top five lists are all movies they saw here, which is which is very nice of them. We'll have a bunch of more Oscar-caliber movies showing in the next few weeks and months as the award season is upon us. Go visit our friends at House of Targ. All kinds of cool stuff going on there. Uh, I miss their Boxing Day thing because I was busy doing Family to Boxing Day stuff. But but uh, check out their website for all their information on bands that they have. Go visit Audible. I'm going to forget it again, and my friend Jason's going to laugh at me. I was going to write it down. I let Andrew say it. That's what Andrew does. <laughs> uh, audibletrial.com slash Podcast. And we didn't really talk about it a lot this week. Uh, we missed it because it was a skip week, but Carrie Fisher passed away. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and Debbie Reynolds. And Debbie Reynolds, which, oh my God. Especially Carrie Fisher. Debbie Reynolds sad as well, but Carrie Fisher broke my little heart. I love Carrie Fisher. She, she might have been the first love of my life. Uh, so go to Audible and download one of yeah, four one or of five books. Carrie yeah. Fisher books and cry and listen to this great storyteller tell a bit about her life. We'll hopefully get to have her on screen again. God, in about a year for episode eight. (laughs) But uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Happy New Year, and we'll see you again soon.